0: Welcome to uh, VESA Talks podcast. Uh, Tune in as we delve into the digital world of entrepreneurships and uncover the strategies and tactics of successful online business leaders. Today, it's a pleasure to welcome Laura Erdem, who is a senior account executive at Dream Data, focusing on closing the largest enterprise deals of the company. Laura originally comes from Lithuania and currently lives and works in Copenhagen, Denmark. Laura is a social selling expert who grew her LinkedIn audience from 2,000 to 10,000 within a year and to 17,000 by the second year by building genuine connections that lead to sales. Laura is a high performer and the first salesperson to close non-founder deals at Dream Data. Dream Data is a B2B SaaS that helps link business acti- activities to revenue attribution throughout the marketing pipeline and customer journey. Welcome, Laura.
1: Thank you so much, Mario. Very nice to meet you. And yeah, thank you for this very explicit intro. Yeah.
0: Well, we want everybody to know so much about you and I'm sure we're going to find out a couple more things and whatnot. So, um, I did, I did some research on you and I went into LinkedIn. I looked at some of your videos and I'm pretty impressed with what you have done with LinkedIn and the value that you've extracted from uh, that social media platform. Um, <clears throat> so, one of the things that I was really curious about and that I I, I heard, but our listeners haven't, is the big magic once-in-a-lifetime LinkedIn post that you uh put up. And would you be so kind to uh to tell our audience uh about the success post and what happened and uh and how it developed and it kind of uh, kickstarted you into this, you know, uh Amazing, amazing LinkedIn journey. So uh, I would, re- we would really love to hear about that.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So, well, to start with, when I joined Dream Data, we knew that LinkedIn is going to be a channel that we're going to use. But in a more classical way that most of the companies do, when you post some of the things about your company, about yourself, either to try to attract people to join your company or to basically advertise for the stuff that you're doing so people probably find out about you. But what happened with that kind of at that time, it felt like a very big post that has happened that I like. Started the whole journey for us to focus much more on LinkedIn was that I shared a journey of a client that I've closed. One of the first clients that I've closed a Dream Data, which is a nice story in itself already. I've shared a screenshot of Dream Data of the full deal attribution on LinkedIn, and what happened basically was that a influ an influencer on LinkedIn with a lot of followers commented on it with a message in the realms of. Attribution doesn't work. And it really confused me at the beginning. It's like, okay, I'm selling attribution. He's commenting on about that. And it's like, oh, I go back to my CMO, and say, Stefan, should we take this off? I say, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> we don't. Now we're going to ride on the wave of his followers because this is where the magic actually happens. While you're posting, if you're posting and relating with the influencers that are in the market, In selling and talking with the same ideal customer profiles as you are, that could amplify your work a lot. And that's what happened. After that post, well, his comment got more likes than my full post. But after that post, we got top amount of visitors on our website throughout the whole Dream Data journey the maximum amount of marketing qualified leads that week, even comparing with the time when we announced our funding and stuff like that. So from there, we figured out, okay, (laughs) we better use this properly because it feels like it is a medium we want to work on at Dream Data to get more clients.
0: Awesome. That's amazing. That's a great story and I love stories. And uh, it's it's really cool to hear uh, uh, how a post can catapult a company into, uh, into, into fresh leads. And, uh, and that's really what we're trying to figure out as well. Um, You know, generally speaking, B2B content is, 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 is kind of boring. You know, everybody's trying to figure out how to make it easy and fun and everything. Right. Um, How do you approach this challenge? And, you know, like, and and create engagement. I know that you're on LinkedIn, obviously you want to, you want to try to be professional. You want to, you don't want to be uh, looking foolish. And so <clears throat> where is that line that you draw between, you know, how much you reveal about yourself versus, uh, you know, being professional and trying to uh, get leads and at the same time not appear boring?
1: It's it's not easy because it also depends on what type of company you're at. Before mm. I joined Dream Data, I was at Gartner. I would never have been posting the stuff that I am right now, if I was working at Gartner. Um, there are several reasons for that, because the buyers that I'm selling to, well, there are still people, they still like fun, but, but the company and the brand is perceived as much more stiff, much more enterprise and so on. What helped at Dream data was that we actually didn't know to start with what was the voice we needed to speak with and trying out a lot of things has helped out. But the most of the stuff that I usually speak about is that you have to have a bit of personality to be able to resonate with people on LinkedIn. So if you're only sharing garden reports, magic quadrants, and so on, so most probably only your colleagues are going to like it, and it's not going to help you to drive marketing leads. But what we did is we started testing various mediums. How does it work for me? For example, I don't post that many like funny posts or anything, but some of the things are relatable as a person. What kind of challenges do I work with? What kind of challenges are my prospects living with? So both the personality attracts the followers, but at the same time, as soon as I post something really serious about the problems they're trying to solve, they're going to listen to it because they would know at least relate to the person that, has been a little bit more personal to start with. There's a key message in this. And now you have to listen up. Because there are two things on LinkedIn people don't care about. And as soon as you know that deep in your heart and follow it, it's much easier to be relatable and easier to go over and just try things out. So the two things are, On LinkedIn, people don't care about you and your company. And as soon as you like deep in your heart, understand that, that they don't care about you and your company, they do care about themselves and the values you're going to provide to them, then it's much easier to come out even with a personal post because nobody cares about (laughs) you. They would care about seeing your message relating to it and maybe even finding themselves in it, but you're not going to be exposed as a person. The same goes for the company. If you're talking about only your company, the stuff we're doing, this is so pretty, these reports are so good or our ROIs and stuff like that. Nobody cares about it. They only care about the stuff that you can do for them. And if you're able to go out with that messaging on LinkedIn, it will help you so much to test out things and to finally figure out what's working for your buyers.
0: Awesome. That's, that's amazing. I think that advice is super cool because uh, most people, you know, they, they, they're very self-conscious about posting. They're self-conscious about doing any videos, uh, even this podcast, you know, I mean, everybody's really worried what they look, uh, you know, what they look like. And, uh, and sometimes the content gets uh, lost, so to speak, right? And if you're really passionate about what you're doing, if you really enjoy it, I mean, it really shows whether through video and even a post and post can be very uh, creative. Um, so I, I really like one of the things I heard you uh, say, and that is that people don't follow companies, people follow pe- people, right um, can you can you speak a little bit about that? because that was a really cool point that I that I that I heard you say. Uh, on another podcast. So can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Of course. Yeah. So, well, companies are filled with people. And all of those people are totally different. They have a different voice that they are coming out on LinkedIn with. Company's voice is usually very different from what a person's voice in a company will be. And it could be that it's very likely that it's your company's voice of your page on LinkedIn is much more structured, much more ROI based and so on, your customer stories. But the way people in your company are using their own voice to amplify company's voice is different. And that is what is going to attract your buyers to have interest into your company because people's voices are going to amplify them. If I, let's say, think about some of those bigger startups, if if we're thinking about metadata, or if I'm thinking about what else could we take as an example? Chili Piper. I would never think about the brand as a brand. When I think about Chili Piper, I think about their co-founder. She's a woman. She has kids and so on. I think about some of their marketing people. Some of them live in Brazil. Some of them live in the U.S. I know the stuff about some of the people because they're more personal. And then I know about the brand as well, how cool the company is because I've been reading some of those posts. So the company's brand is amplified through the personalities of your people.
0: You're talking about Alina, right?
1: Yeah. So yeah, she's
0: fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, that's great. So uh, that's a, that's an amazing point. And now as a company... Uh, c-level executive let's say or ownership or founder how are you able to control so to speak uh, the brand integrity and how much leeway do you give employees to post on social media in other words you know what direction or what directive uh do you let's say get from, from 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 your leadership Uh, Do they give you a carte blanche or is it just, uh, you know, they know you or, you know, or is it just a certain amount of people that get that? So how how does that work? You know, I think a lot of uh, founders and C-level people are going to be watching this podcast and they're probably going to be interested in that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it starts from there. I think that founders should not be trying to stop the people to go out and be themselves. So if you're already starting to think we want to be on LinkedIn and we have to make sure that the brand guidelines are being followed, I think this is already a wrong direction. What you should be thinking about is that we want to be on LinkedIn and how can I show the best example for what I want people to follow? This type of thinking would guide you both to being a thought leader, doing it yourself. This will start from you. Because if you would start asking people to post on LinkedIn and to have their own personal brands out there, they need to look at somebody because very fast, LinkedIn can start feeling like a social media platform. And why are we all building our personal brands there? Like what's in it for the company? So when you are as a founder, as a C-level person in the company, show yourself as an example, the ripples will show. So post it as You would like people to do that, show a little bit of personality or not, and empower people to do the same. What we do, there are a couple of things at Dream Data that definitely empower people to have their voices on LinkedIn. We have a common Slack channel. Whenever somebody posts something on LinkedIn, we put that into that Slack channel. That helps on several layers because everybody would see that, okay, a C-level person has posted on LinkedIn. So that means that it's fine that we are on LinkedIn as well. And the same, at the same time, if that person hasn't posted on LinkedIn, watching the C-level person do it and say, okay, so maybe I have to do it because they're doing it too. So they will start following you, even though sometimes it might not feel very comfortable and you have to verbally empower them. You have to speak about that, that it is an important channel for us, but also what's in it for you. How can you use your personal voice to not just bring more sales to our own company, but also to build your own career? meet new people. Next time you're going to, I don't know, Alabama, you possibly have so many people to reach out to because you have such a big network out there. It's both social for your future career, and also you will become a better writer. So do it as you want them to do it by showing your own
0: example. That's awesome. That's fantastic. So do you feel like there's a pressure from either coworkers or leadership to post on LinkedIn? And probably not in your case, because it, it really looks like you enjoy it and you love it. But do you feel like some of your coworkers who are maybe more shy or maybe they don't know what to post, do you feel there's a, a pressure that, that comes with that uh, kind of, you know, mentality, I suppose?
1: It does. And be aware that not everybody going to be active on LinkedIn. So for us, for example, we do speak actively about it, how important of a channel it is, but, and it's only the revenue generating team that is on LinkedIn, like actively on LinkedIn sales, marketing, customer success, and not everybody from all of the teams are actively posting they're aware that this is the channel that we want to work on, but we're also all aware that their personality doesn't really match to like, oh, look at me, or like, look at all those posts. Maybe they want to do one post a month. That's fine. As soon as we're aligned, that's all right. Somebody likes to do it every single day. That's fine too. And as soon as we notice that some of the posts maybe do not really match the way we would like to be speaking about it, well, we're going to have a chat about that. Not the first time, not even the fifth time. But if if that actually repeats, then we might take up a conversation about it. But in a very lightweight, so it doesn't even stop the person doing it, maybe they're struggling. Maybe they don't know how to do it, but we haven't captured it, haven't spoken about it one-on-one. So posting on LinkedIn is not for everybody. And I don't think companies should be pressuring each and every employee to do it, but an open conversation always helps.
0: Right. Well, that's that's really good advice. I, I like that a lot. Um, tell us a little bit about your LinkedIn schedule, uh, when you post, how much you post, uh, maybe even a little bit about, uh, you know, uh, how you go about the process, is it spontaneous? Do you, you know, sit down on Sunday night and plan out the whole week? Tell us a little bit about that. I think people would love to know about that.
1: Yeah, it's much less structured than anybody could think it was. (laughs) So um, I post every day. And the reason for that is because it helps me to keep the consistency. I exercise every day and I do the same with LinkedIn. I post every single day. And there are days that are much more difficult to figure out what to post about, than there's semi-structured process around it. There are several things. Okay, so the way I plan my posts, there are posts that do gather followers for me. And that is talking about what we're talking about right now, social selling. Social selling, how we do it, and so on. As soon as I speak about that, I gather a lot of likes, a lot of comments, a lot of followers especially from marketing and sales. And luckily, it is the ideal customer profile we're selling to. So that means that I'm gathering the followers from there. I gather zero business opportunities from there. I gather chats like this, but this is only amplifying the work that I'm doing and getting the followers. The next thing that I'm making sure to do is to post the stuff that is actually bringing us business and that is talking about the problems that we're helping our clients to solve showing screenshots of dream data that people might be surprised over that oh can i actually do this with attribution platform and those Mm -hmm. type of posts gather so little likes and so little comments that you might start thinking maybe this doesn't work and it does The trick of that is that this type of a process helps me get followers and those followers actually follow the other posts that do not gather that many views, but they gather the right views. And as long as I am looking after the metrics that are we hitting the right people? Are we hitting the right locations? We're good. I don't need that fame of likes and comments and so on. It helps sometimes, but not that much. And in between of that, I do mix in some personal posts about... Being a woman, being a mother, being like a female in sales, stuff like that, that helps to build on the personality too. And my process of posting is very sporadic. I've got a notebook on my computer filled with notes that are not completely finished up posts of some ideas. I got it on a podcast. I got it on a book. I write it down. And On the days that are very spontaneous, sometimes I do post a spontaneous post. Sometimes it was something I picked up at a meeting and you just create a quick post about that or a quick video. On the days where it's hard, I go into the list of ideas, pick something from there. On the days when it's really, really hard, I either go to my colleagues post and copy paste them and change some stuff on them or go on my old posts, figure out which of them performed pretty okay well and repurpose it again.
0: That's awesome. That's, that's really interesting. I was just listening to uh, Joe Rogan's latest episode with uh, CK Lewis, uh, uh, and they were talking about how they create jokes. And uh, 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 Rogan, Joe Rogan basically sits in front of the computer every day and just writes, versus uh, CK Lewis writes one word, and 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 literally just goes off that word and then he just starts thinking about different uh, ideas so it's kind of interesting how you know uh, a stand-up comedian has somewhat of a you know parallel way of of of, of thinking about what they're, they're what they're creating what they're going to be uh, talking about and people on social media as well or linkedin as well You know, so it's uh, it's 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 fascinating how different people use the creative process, right? That's awesome. So, um, to uh, to go into a little bit of a different spin on on LinkedIn, so I bet that you probably get approached by uh, headhunters left, right, and center, uh, probably every every day or every you know a couple times a week and that kind of thing. So, what um, what would you say determines your happiness? at a particular job you know is it money is it the perks is it the location is it you know the free uh, food (laughs) you know what what is it that keeps you around in in a particular job because i I imagine some founders are you know listening to this going whoa whoa, whoa, everybody's gonna steal my 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 good staff right i want laura to work for me right so what is it that basically keeps you at at a certain uh a company yeah I
1: think it's exactly the same as for everybody else. I mean, perks and location, it does matter to a limit or like a parking spot bef- besides your office or whatever that oh. is. But I think for the most people and for myself, acknowledgement at your work, that you're making a difference in the work that you're doing is what's driving me to stay at DreamDitto. And I'm crazy happy because I can see the growth of the company. Every time something good or even something not as good happens, we're speaking about that, that is being acknowledged, meaning that you don't feel an invisible person. No matter the size of the company, you want to feel that you're making at least a tiny bit of a difference for the target that we're going after. And as soon as there are some different things that are happening, within your sales process, on LinkedIn, wherever, with the colleagues or whatever it is, the acknowledgement that you're getting is making you want to stay because the change in the other company, you don't know what you're going to get. Well, you know, you're going to get 5% more in salary and a better location closer to your work, to your home or whatever it is, but Mm -hmm. that mental support and strength is something that is very important to have nailed well at each and every company. And that, yes, you will get approached a lot on LinkedIn. And those approaches are very general as well. It's like, oh, I see that you're doing so good on LinkedIn. Do you want to work as an AE over here? It's like, why should I? I mean, why should I even consider? Because this is an amazing place. And, And there you start to become even more picky because you love the place you're at that is empowering you so much that each and every outreach doesn't matter anymore.
0: Right. No, that's amazing. That's, uh, you know, something that a lot of entrepreneurs and founders, they want to know about that because a lot of times people don't tell them, you know. And I know I started probably 10 different companies. And, uh, you know, when I first started, I I thought it was just about money, you know, like, wow, how much money do you want? And, you know, eventually I realized that, you know not everything was about the money and that's really important for for people to know right so that's that's a really really good point thank you so much for that so I know you uh, have some time constraints we have two minutes left so I'm gonna ask you one more question that is uh if you were on my spot what question would you have asked that I didn't ask you
1: oh interesting I don't know um which you could have asked hmm, I think My pet peeve is diversity at the companies as well. So kind of how can founders make sure that every type of a person who joins a company feels welcome? Because that is also the type of culture you're going to build. Meaning that if you're hiring, I don't know. Handicapped people, you're hiring women or blacks or whatever. It does not matter. Younger or older people. How can you make that culture in the company click that well that if we hired 10 more people of the same type, so to say, they would still be able to help the more diverse people to have that community feeling that I do belong And even if I'm thinking in a different way, how can I be able to express that and not to feel different? And that is only done by having different opinions and being open for it. There are a lot of things that you can do to raise that, but making sure to hire more diverse personnel that does not look like yourself, does not sound like yourself, should not be something companies should be afraid of. And that's... I think that's very important.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much, Laura. That's fantastic. So give us uh, your LinkedIn uh, handle and uh, uh, if you don't mind.
1: My name is Laura Erdem. You can find me on LinkedIn and you can see my failures on TikTok if you prefer that as well. So any (laughs) questions or you would like to connect, find me on LinkedIn as Laura Erdem. Thank you so much, Mario. Thank you so
0: much, Laura. really appreciate it.
1: Thanks.